Now, if we can just briefly just go to, uh, to the beginning, um, the Tara nickname. You said they uh, they say it's because of the way that you fight. That that's the yeah. reason why one of the commentators gave it to you. Yeah, I, I really like the nickname because I never. I've always been trying to think of a nickname. I've had like five or six different ones, like Afro, Dragon, all these ones. But when they said that, that one stuck because that's literally how I want to do. I just want to terrorize my opponent the whole time I'm in there. Okay. No. Uh. No. I- I like it as well. I mean, terror, I, I guess, for a sport such as uh, mixed martial arts, for a mixed martial arts fighter or combat sports sports on a broader sense, I guess it means probably this particular athlete is very, very ferocious in the cage and they, yeah. you know, they're very, they must be very entertaining to watch. That's why I love the sport, man. I mean, outside the cage, we can be as lovely as you want, but now my name, when I'm in there, I'm the terror now, you know? We haven't got to be nice. We haven't got to be friends. Yes. We, can, uh-huh. we can be as mean as we want. And look, I've got to say um, the footage of when they um, raised your hand um, at the um, end of that fight and they wrapped the belts around your waist. You were so yeah. emotional. Tell me about that. Man, it was it was amazing. Um, like, I lost my fight just before that. So a lot of work before this like, went in. Like, the whole gym just pretty much put like a lot of work into me from strength and conditioning coaches to little techniques in the club. So... When my coach was like to the side of me, you can kind of hear it on my Instagram audio, but he started to shout at me, world champion. And that's what I was trying to hold it in. That's what really broke. Everyone was around me outside the cage, my mum, my family. And this sport's all I do. So like, I feel like I've struggled a bit on my record, but now that getting that belt has kind of solidified me. Like, okay, he's, he, you got to put some respect on his name a bit now. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I, I definitely hear that. I mean, after... But after that fight, I mean, when they uh, basically they gave you the task, they put the belt on your waist. It felt like a weight had been had been lifted off your shoulder. I mean, was there any times even leading up to the fight, even when you're walking to the cage from the backstage to the cage, were there any, even any feelings of doubt in your mind? I mean, how how did that feel? I mean, for you, did it feel like this almost felt like a, let me say a last chance? Did I say? You know, it's funny you say that. Um... A little bit, yeah. I wouldn't say like a last chance, but more like, right, we've really got to get our shit together now, if I'm allowed to swear. No, it's um, that's how more it felt. Because in the back, it was like a big cricket ground. And then, of course, you're nervous. You know, at the time, my record was like five and six. So I'm looking outside and it's all dark. And like, there was another lad fighting and everyone was outside watching him. So I just had myself to think. And not to get too deep into it, you know. I'm not a hugely religious guy, but I was definitely looking in the sky, you know, thinking about some people up there. And, you know, you've got the fear always circling through, but then you've just got to remind yourself why you do the sport. Like I said in one of my quotes, like, I, I do the sport to try to help me and my family. So, like, the, the fear literally always out, um, the risk always, the reward always outweighs the risk. Like, when I go in there, I'm like, I know I'm a bit nervous, but this is what we've got to do, you know. I've been doing this since 13, so this is essentially what I want to do as a job. <laughs> um, it is the first time that I'm speaking to you and as I do with every um, athlete and every um, person affiliated with combat sports I always try and take things to the beginning if I can and just try to talk a bit about the person's background where they've come from their roots and what got them into um, the particular field associated with combat sports I mean for you as in where the, did the journey um, start and what kind of compelled you attracted your attention to mixed martial arts well i originally grew up in luton so i I originally thought i was going to be a boxer 
I'm sure every fighter has been there at one point. I used to watch the Rocky films with my mum's and I had these little golden gloves. And I'd be like, mum, watch me punch the wall. But even before that, I've always like been interested. I don't know why, but when I was in primary school, I used to ask my mum, um, could I start karate? But I was, I was a little bit of a troublesome kid. I was I was literally like, not to sound big-headed, but I was probably perfectly drawn to foot. Like, I, I coach now as well, so you can definitely see some kids are more inclined to fighting. I would definitely say I was one of those kids. I was I'm not always winning, but I was constantly fighting a lot. So my mum didn't really want me to get into it yet. And then when I got a bit older, I was able to take myself down to a boxing gym. And then I started at a Newton Leisure Center in UC Farm. And I'm really proud of being around there, to be fair. I'm from all up and down. So I lived in London, but when we moved to Newton, that's where I started my boxing career. Then when we moved to Northampton, uh, I found BST. And I started my MMA career. Well, originally I started kickboxing, then we dabbled into the MMA. Okay. Um, you mentioned that you did it even when you were young. I think even around the age of was it ten, he wanted to start karate or so. Um, yeah. You wanted, but well, as did you actually start it, or were you kind of did your parents feel no, you're still a bit too young? No, nah, my mum was just scared of me using it in school. Um, I was <laughs> okay. it was a little bit like my nickname I was terrorising my mum yes, a bit with my okay. parents so she was like that is the absolute last thing I want him to be doing okay um, so when I got to 12 I could take myself there I see but I mean were there any concerns even for health I mean when he wants to do mixed martial arts were people were family members such as your mother and father and other close uh, relatives were they saying to you no you can do it for just as a hobby, but to t- sport and do it as an, as uh, as a job. Were they refusing out rightly? I don't know. I don't know because I wasn't very in like switched on with school. I wasn't always paying attention. But then I think when my mum, she was definitely nervous to start with. But I think when my mum like actually come down to the gym and see like how much passion I had for it, because I always had passion for certain things. I've got like ADHD. Yeah. So when I pick something up for those like for like a month, it would be you know the little game Beyblades. In my school, I was like the guy for Beyblades for a year. Like that's all I did, play Beyblades. Then it was the Pokemon cards, Yu Gi Oh cards. Then I found boxing, and then the whole passion I had for that kind of never fizzled, fizzled out. Like that's definitely where I found my sport. So I think when she found that, she might have been nervous for me getting hurt and stuff, but she was more happy to see that like I finally take my focus on something. I hope I get this correct. Your current gym, because uh, I looked online, um, one of the sources that I do check for fighters that I'm going to speak to uh, or to check their, their fight record is Topology. Uh, your current yeah. gym, your current team, is that Blood, Sweat and Tears gym? BST, baby, yeah. <laughs> to, to, uh, to talk, can you talk uh, just a little bit about that? I mean... Um, any um, particular names that we should be watching out for going forward that's going to be fighting in any the smaller smaller shows or bigger shows? There is a lot of them, but to name a few, we just had our answer club. So to name a few, we've got Shaquille Jones. He's looking good. We've got young Mason Booth, 16. He's had his first, uh, like, one of them amateur fights where you can't punch in the head, but he's he's looking good in the gym, man. We've got these two lads called Irvis. They're looking good, mate. There's too many names to mention. Obviously, we've got my friend Asan, who's doing like on the same path as me on the same level. But there's just like, to be honest, there's too many names to name at this point. Like we're about the size of two like Halo carriers. Okay. So to name everyone would be crazy. Like we've got a lot of guys in the gym now. 
Okay, so definitely there's a lot of prospects to watch out for coming from that team. Mate, they keep me on my toes, I'm telling you. Um, so for, like say, for an upcoming fight, wherever it may be, uh, whichever um, promoter, whichever promotion, um, you yourself as uh, an as an individual, as in, because every I'm assuming every athlete is different. Um, how would you go about preparing for the fight? As in, I know there's the obvious ones, the nutrition and then the weight cutting and then the training. Yeah. But as in, you yourself, as in, what sort of um techniques do you usually go by? I mainly listen to my coaches. Um, if there's something like specifically they want me to do before every camp, I'll ask them. Uh, pretty much every camp has been the same with some little tweaks. Like once I started going to Adam Hill, to be fair, actually, I will mention him. Shout out to Adam Hill. Once I started going to Adam Hill, I feel like a lot of the, his conditioning really helps with um, my cardio. In that fight, I was a little bit nervous about my cardio and up a five rounder getting ready for free, but no issues. That Adam Hill cardio, uh, Claire Riley fitness, they've really like, came on my toes. So that's been a big factor around this time and, and a lot of the recent camps. But we're, we're such a real well-rounded gym. Like We've got some of the best strikers now in Europe teaching the classes too. We've got Jordan Vigenic teaching the classes. We've got Danny Batten, Raymond Paul teaching the BJJ. So we're pretty much clued up on like all te technical-wise. If there's like something specific, like the guy's a really good grappler, he's dangerous with knockouts like Chiron was, then we'll specifically look at something. But other than that, the camps kind of stay the same. Okay. Um, so you talked about the training aspect. What about other things such as nutrition? Oh, nutrition. Uh, yes. I've got, I've got a new nutritionist who's been helping me out recently, but to be honest, it's been a lot of just like annoying Jordan Vichenich and messaging him at like 3am like, yo, can I eat dates? Bless him. He probably gets annoyed at me, but he's been really helpful to be fair. Mm, okay. I mean, this will sound like a really silly question, but um, because of the, the sort of activity levels that you guys obviously have to attain and achieve to perform well um, when you're actively competing, does it mean that, of course, there are certain foods you really got to minimize and certain foods you've got to actually increase the intake of those foods? Because right. I say that because I'm assuming even if you were to take some of the, the junk food, the donuts, the chocolates and whatever, the stuff that people like but generally aren't good for your body, because you yeah. guys train so hard, don't you burn those calories off very quickly because you're sweating so much? Well, especially in weather like this, it's perfect. Um... I'm not even in camp, but I'm like walking out at 74 kilos at the minute. Right? Weather like this is perfect for me to really fight in. So even now I'm looking to get back in. But like you said, weather like this, I can have a little cheeky packet of donuts. But when it's more winter time, yeah. depending if I'm fighting at 70, 66, then I'm fighting at 66, I've really got to be calculated what I'm doing. 70, I've got to get more leeway. Okay. All right. Um, When it comes to weight, um. What weights do you normally like to fight at to compete? I mean, do you normally like to fight at the weight you weight you are at now, or if there's a particular fight that's uh, okay, you know you're going to get lots of name recognition. It'll do a lot. It'll do a lot to help boost your brand, and of course, as the money side of things, would you um, let's say it's a lower weight, would you be happy to go down in weight, or would you prefer going up, or just staying as you are, staying in the current weight class? Mate, like you just said, wherever the money's at, to be honest. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't mind going down a weight for recognition. Like, there's not a lot of money in amateurs, but yeah, for the recognition-wise, belt-wise, and like building our brand-wise, definitely I don't mind going up and down. 
I think the majority of my career has probably been at 70, but I was also quite young when I first started. So I think the pictures of me behind that, that I'm feeling out <laughs> a little bit. It's coming through. Sure. When I first started, I was a little bit skinnier and chubbier, but I think now my body, as I hit 23, I'll probably be more lightweight, but I can still f- go up and down between 66 and 70. Okay. Um, because I had a list just in my mind of things I want to ask you, but when you give me an answer, another question pops up in my mind. I want to kind of oh, elaborate. Chat. Um, so as you are, um, now you're still very young. You said you're what? So I'm assuming you're about 22 now. I'm 20. 20. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm no, you said 23 when you hit 23, so I thought that's um, you must yeah. be about 22. Uh, I mean, now. I mean, like, as I get older, I'll probably yeah. stay at lightweight. Okay. I'll probably stay at lightweight. Going right for- now, it's still going uh, up and down. Going forward, um, would you, in terms of the promotions you want to fight, compete in, um, say, uh, let's say in the next, we're going to have to go 10 years, say the next six to seven years, um, would you, uh, I'm sure by then, of course, you would have liked to turn pro. Yeah, for sure. Are there any of the bigger names, bigger promoters that you would like to compete in? And I know there's the obvious one, the UFC. Yeah. But I mean, um, in terms of things such as money, I think it's no it's no secret the UFC aren't really um, hailed for um, how they financially look after their fighters, unless if you're one of their golden boys like Conor McGregor or John Jones. Yeah. Uh, but you yourself, say in the next seven years, I mean, which of the bigger names would you like to be competing in? You know what? I've actually never thought that because it's always in my mind, like you said, every fighter's goal is to go to UFC. But now you've said that, there is probably um, one of my favourite fighters that I've always said that would probably be a sick way to enter the sport. Um, Jorge Masvidal has that bare knuckle MMA. Just for the sake of the question, that'd be a pretty sick fight. So pretty, pretty fun way to get into MMA. Probably scar me up, but that'd be a sick debut. So for you... You're more. Uh, which one concerns you more, um, money or your, let's say, popularity? Because the UFC, there's no question, they know how to market their fighters. Yeah. So I, I, looking, at, looking at you, you do look like a very marketable athlete, not just you know in the cage. Yeah, I mean, you have the look and everything that you know they can. UFC can make you a star. But for you, would you? Would you be more concerned about the financial aspects or just about more, let's say, um, your brand, just to sum it up all in one word? Mate, not to sound the woe is me kind of guy, but um, I'm a young man living alone. Like This is all my flat. Uh, so, of course, it's nice being a popular <laughs> young man, but no, I'm here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to pay bills. So mm. pretty much even now, everyone who's like, they've sent me over a name to fight, I just get messages on Messenger they're my next meal like it's not like oh i'm doing this to be popular like this is like the only thing i think i can get a good career in okay obviously if fine doesn't work out there's always a normal job this and that but i know realistically the life i'd like to live is through mma so it's it's, it's not really about my popularity it's definitely i want to live it's what you know like the question you said earlier what was i feeling backstage i was pacing around with my coaches literally telling them this is the life i want this is a fight life and he was like show me i was like i'm gonna show you I like the answer. I like the answer. You. You, you gave a well-thought, detailed, informative answer. You know, 
you do um fight and also i can see you've got other hustles as well and you also work as a personal trainer and a coach in yeah. uh, in the gym um would you say that other things outside your own thing that that is being a, an active competitive mixed martial artist would you say that can be also quite distracting to you as well to the extent that maybe perhaps at one point just say no i've got to cut this off maybe a few months and just focus on my own thing before i you what know, side I, the training side like like the coaching side yes maybe if you feel that you know i've got to be a bit selfish if one for another for a better word i imagine when i'm more professional taking on pardon me taking on some bigger fights it probably will get like that but at the minute i'll be honest after covid i find it actually really well for my mental health you know um i think fighting can be a very sport uh like conor mcgregor said you can lose your mind in this game not to sound cheesy but it's fucking true man you really can like i don't know if a lot of guys can relate but sometimes you can just walk around constantly like not geared up but you know you're just you're so used to violence at that point it's kind of yes. it's a weird feeling so I find that like teaching the kids in that and then even teaching my friends, like it can really help mellow me out through through the day. So at the minute I really enjoy it. But like you said, when I'm when I'm a bit more pro, I'll probably have to relax with it a bit. Mm. <laughs> um I wanna just kind of let me say branch out from the UK scene of um mixed martial arts. And there's something that um Israel Desanya said recently after one of his teammates uh, lost a fight. And I just want to get your opinion on this because, you know, I'm sure it can happen in any promoter that you're competing in. Um, you are one of your teammates from your from your gym. Um, do you think that sometimes maybe if this would be, were to be permitted, would you agree with the judges being interviewed as well as the um, athletes? Because... You know, we've seen quite a few times now that in the UFC, um, especially in particular, there have been fights you can clearly see who the winner is. And for some bizarre reason, one of the judges or one or two or more of the judges believes that, no, the win should have gone the other way. And the other fights have won. And Israel Desanya had did make the point maybe we should interview the, the judges as well just to see and understand why they made such a decision. Would you agree yeah. with that? A thousand percent, mate. It happens all across the fight. And like, I'm a huge fan of his, but at the end of the day, you just got to be real. Sean O'Malley versus Peter Yon. That's such an up and down. And even just looking at it objectively without being a fan, it's a bit, I find that Peter Yon won that fight. You know, I speak to a lot of people, Sean O'Malley won the fight, but I think there is a lot of like stuff that gets put put to the bin because they're not like put on show for it. If there was to interview and then they're more likely to like get scrutinized and then like be more methodical of how they're scoring the fight. It even happens at amateur, mate. Honestly, like me and my mate Asan, some of the fights we've lost, you'll be you'll be concerned, you'll be like curious to find out like why we thought we lost. Like, not to get onto it. There's a few decisions I think that like, I could definitely probably be like eight and four right now, but hey ho. No, I I also agree with it myself because you do you just if you want to understand why they took made that decision and you can place you who won the fight, and you know when you've lost the fight Mate, for the fire for the fires fucking yeah. soul soul destroying. I remember losing yes, yes. um what's his name Mason Mason Hart. I remember losing to Mason Hart, and you can almost see I start breaking down. It's, we put so much into camp, so for it to yes, be just taken yes, away from uh-huh. us, it sucks. No, no, I I know exactly what um. What, what you're talking about because it feels like everything all the preparation has been all in vain money spent the time yeah. spent and all you know 
Especially when you've gone out and fought for the win and like put it obviously that you've won and then it just sprays the hometown guy. It's not a great feeling. No, no, not at all. They've been talking so much about this fight uh, for so long. It's been it's been a highly anticipated fight. And uh, two questions I want to ask you about um, about this. First one, Marco Chandler versus Conor McGregor. Do you think this fight's going to happen? Nah, I'm pretty sure McGregor just came out of retirement, didn't he? He has said, he has talked about retirement. He's made noise about retirement so many times. I mean, I've lost count. And before you know it, he's shouting at Dana White in the UFC that he wants this fight, he wants that fight. Um, you know, and then you see him back in the auction, you see him just in headlines about he's going to be fighting this person or that person, but this particular yeah. fight... He's after Oliveira now. This particular fight against Marco Chandler, you don't, you can't see happening. Not really, like, as a fan, I'd love to see it, but look at him, he's got hundreds of millions, he's got yachts, he's got kids, he's got his fourth kid in the way, why would you want to carry on? Like, I even say it to my family, Kamara Usman as well, like, look at him. Once you hit that kind of point and you've had losses like that, like, I don't like Khabib, but Khabib probably did it perfectly. Get in, get your money, get a legacy. I don't think it's the greatest, but get that, then get out of the game. Like, what are, you, what are you still here for? You've got all the money, you've got a beautiful family, you go spend your life with them. Hmm. But you see, some people that they've achieved everything that you said, they just outlined the money, the, uh, the family, um, the success, all those things. But it feels like it, it's like if they're not relevant, if there's not, if their name is in the headlines and now it's social, more so social media, if it isn't, if they're not being talked about, it's like they feel um, there's still something I'm missing out on, you know, so they have to make it's a huge, noise, you know. It's probably a huge, like when you go into the person, it's probably like a huge adrenaline that's lost in their life. Like they probably missed all the going out and like feeling like you're the man. Cause bro, I, I've been out after winning the fight and again, I've been getting recognised literally every day leaving my house, but clubbing's not the same feeling as when you go out. When that walkout song is on and then everyone's cheering the name and it's a really good walkout song and you're really excited to be there, that's one of the, my favourite places in the world to be, even when you're scared. Mm. So they probably missed that, man. Yes, yeah. They feel like they're on top of the world when the name's yeah. being, yeah. No, I get yeah, you hear them shout. You hear them shout your name, Reese, Teasdale, Conor McGregor, and as you're walking out, you just feel like a superstar, man. And who do you think, if the fight were to happen, who do you think would take the win? Uh, probably Chandler, man. Look at McGregor's yeah. leg. Like, if he falls, everyone keeps saying the family seen it as well. Yeah. If he was to fight smart, Chandler all day. But if he just comes in a bit stupid, then may- maybe McGregor. But I still think Chandler. Yeah, I would go China as well because uh, even McGregor, from what we've seen on social media, though you can put anything you want out there, um, we've not seen any footage of him training and preparing. Marco Chandler yeah. trains and prepares every single day, but yeah. Conor McGregor, it's no, a beast. No. yeah, yeah. Well, you see, you see all the videos of Conor McGregor on yachts, and then you see like the memes of like Michael Chandler just doing loads of wrestling drills. Like, who who are you betting on to win? I don't know Ben Chandler. Well, for me, for you know, if I was Michael Chandler, you know, because people are saying that a date hasn't even been set yet for this fight. He's um, not even in the pool. <laughs> he's taking all the steroids and not even in the but pool. Right? I feel so sorry for Michael Chandler. It's like he's wasting his time waiting, waiting in bank on this guy to get ready for this fight. Wow. And you know, Michael, he's had four losses and he's looking for that spot. He's looking for the money, you know. So yeah, yeah. it's a bit, it's a bit peak for Michael Chandler, but. 
McGregor does this with everyone. He called out, um, who's the other guy? Matt Brown, he's called out Mike Perry. How many people has he called out realistically? Like, he can keep doing all, the, like, all this for another five years and people would still like, slightly talk about him. That's where you want to be in the sport though, isn't it? Something you mentioned earlier, you don't like Khabib. Why is that? If you don't mind me asking. He's a cool guy. I just think he's a bit, a little, just for my personality, he's just a bit too too humble. Ah. Like when he's, he's just a bit too much. Like, don't get me wrong, that's not a bad thing. It's just, I much prefer Hazmat Chimaev to, ah, I'll kill you, brother, you know, that kind of guy. Yeah. For me, he's just a bit too calm about everything. He's a sick fighter, don't get me yeah, wrong. But okay. Personality. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. Look, and... Last but not least, look, I thank you so much for coming on the show. But is are there, I keep, I keep getting tongue twisted and tongue tied here. Any shout outs you want to give out to your family, friends, affiliates, coaches, and nutritionists? Yeah. Uh, oh, one second, night, bro. Hello? Yeah, I can, I can see you. Sweet. Yeah. Phones on low. Um, yeah, shout out to Raymond Poole. Shout out to Danny Batten. Shout out to pretty much the whole of BST, Claire Riley. Uh, the people have been helping me from my nutrition kitsch fit. Right, yeah, I think that's it. Wait, no, nutrition, something like that. Um, you asked, bro, there's so many people. Shout out to Asan Ahmed, jo- Jordan Vichenet. Shout out to everyone, man, because honestly, the, the help between this camp has just been, been ridiculous. Shout out to Tom Darling. Like, I've got a lot of good people in my circle around me to try and help me get to where I need to be. Shout out to CNF Cal. Like, the amount of people who are helping me, it's, it's just beautiful, man. And you know, there's not a lot for it for, for young fighters just to add now. Mm. I've only recently started getting more, more comfortable for these fight camps, but mate, you just got to, companies need to keep helping young fighters because mm. now I can train full time, not work. And mate, you can see the results in my training. So I'm just so grateful for everyone helping me, honestly. Speaking of which, speaking of young fighters, and I've been thinking of how to ask this question. I should have asked it before asking about the shout outs, but for any other athlete there who maybe is about five or six, ten years younger than you, because you said you got started about 10, 13 years old or so. Um, yeah. What would you say or advise them is the best way to get started in this? Was in which one of the um, which f- forms of the sport, whether it's BJJ, um, um, karate, kickboxing, padwork, which one would you say they should start doing first? Or is it different from MMA? MMA. Uh, well, you see with the fighters now, like, I'm about the same age, but you've got the Mohamed Makwef, you've got that Paul Rosas. We don't just, like, do technical things anymore. Like, MMA is just so broad and everywhere. Like, you've got kids coming in who te- do just MMA. Like, like I just said with Mason Booth, he's 16 years old. Yeah. But this kid is, like, he's been training MMA now since probably about 13, and you can just see it. In them three years, he's gotten so good. So you can just see it. We're more well-rounded now. So, just jump straight into MMA, I would say. Really? Just as in, you don't think that they should start some just work on BJJ well, no, no, first, kickboxing? I feel like this is how we look at it. Like you've got MMA is um <clears throat> your bread and butter technique. So yeah. realistically, you've got your kickboxing, BJJ, um, all your other stuff. Those are like filler techniques. So anything you know, like them, they're always good add-ons to add on to what you know. But then your bread and bar, what you should do, should always be your MMA form. Like, we always talk about it so much with the gloves. Kickboxing, you've got these massive gloves. So you see Alex Piara, how does he block? He blocks everything like this. Arjun, that's not how we block. We're a lot tighter with the hands, not to give you the secrets. But, you know, we're a lot tighter with our hands. So 
everything can help, but your bread and butter always has to be in reminding that, you know, it's not it's not kickboxing, it's not wrestling, we're MMA fighters. Like I was actually saying this when I was teaching today. You, it's, you can't really be 100% safe everywhere in MMA. Everyone's that good now, especially with the little gloves. He was teaching slips. If you slip this way, Kamaru, Kamaru Usman, you can get knocked out of a head kick, even though it's a textbook boxing technique. So you've got to take these things and add it with a pinch of salt. But please, um, all the guys that you, that you gave a shout out to, you can please just uh, send me the link or all of them, the tags on the screen. So yeah, I put I send the, you uh, all the Instagrams. Thank you. So I can tag them all in the post when I upload this to YouTube and make it live. Guys, thank you for watching and listening. If you did watch and listen to uh, the very end, you can catch the podcast on iTunes, Spotify and, and Google Podcasts, and you can watch it here on YouTube as well. And um, Reese, thank you so much. You pronounce him Reese, isn't it? Yeah, Reese, Reese Teasdale. Reece. Brother, thank you so much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Another opportunity for me to get my, get my brand out there. Definitely, and definitely we need to get you back on the show um, soon. Thank you so much. Let me beat someone up and we'll get another one in, man. <laughs> thank you. Take care. <laughs> thank you, brother. Have See a good ya. day.